The uh, the gospel reading today, as it ended, there's there's a certain time in the church year that comes around, and when it comes around, uh, I have I have oftentimes struggled with the way we end the gospel reading by declaring, "This is the gospel of the Lord." Such as today, where after that reading and hearing, "This is the gospel of the Lord," I want to ask, "Are you sure that this is the gospel? Are you sure that this is actually what we are to hear?" Every November comes around and and just the way things flow for us, we come back to the lectionary in November and it's always about the end times, the time of Christ coming back. And the imagery that we receive from the scriptures uh, about this topic is very vivid and it is uh, very detailed and it is tough to hear. As we even talked about last week with the, the talk of justice rolling down cascading down and whose justice and how does it land on us. Today's reading that comes to us out of Zephaniah goes through the imagery of darkness and silence. I'm not sure uh, what shape your neighborhood may have been in uh, during the storms this past week, but uh, our luxury was that our electricity went out two nights in a row. I'm, Bonnie, I'm guessing yours did too since you're down the street. And there's nothing more fun than having your electric go out with a two-year-old and a six-week-old. I can guarantee you that. Especially when um, the two-year-old is certain that the point of candles is to light them and then blow them out. <laughs> so we've never had consistent lighting in the house. But after we uh, went through the uh, zoo antics of getting two children to bed, there came a time where I was able to look out our front window. And as I looked out our front window, I could see past the houses in front of our house to where there somewhere in the city was actually light. And it was, it was over on the other side of five, I believe. But I could see the light. And as the light came up, it, it hit the clouds. And I could see all the intricate details of the clouds as it hit it. But then I could look right in front of me and I could not even see the houses because it was dark. And when the electric went out and the darkness came in, quickly silence followed it. The whole neighborhood went dead. I had to walk down to our neighbor's house to deliver some things to them so that they can put it in the fridge for us. And I couldn't hear a thing from any of the houses. Complete silence. This could be one of those moments where if you are a devout Christian, you, you kind of wonder, is this the time? Is Christ coming back? Certainly we think that every time we listen to the news or every time we hear of some sort of tragedy happening or maybe even the inward groans of creation when earthquakes and tornadoes and tsunamis hit and we see the world crying out for Christ coming, but in that darkness and in that silence... Maybe it's a little bit more real that he's coming back. Maybe it is that time. I started out my lengthy sermon last week by talking about uh, one of the pastors that, that influenced me, my, my grandparents' pastor, Brother Miller. He also told a story of, as a Baptist, naturally, the, them um, believing in, uh, uh, oh shoot, what is it called, where the, the rapture. 
sticking up. And as a little boy going to Bible camp one day, he slept in by accident and all the rest of the camp had went somewhere else. He woke up and everybody was gone. <laughs> and fear came upon him of, is this the day? And was I left behind? <laughs> thankfully, he was wrong and thankfully so is that theology. But that fear is there. That darkness, the, the fear of that, even that silence, where we live in a time where, where we are never quiet. Our, our city is never quiet. Even at nighttime, the lights are shining. Even when we come home, we don't settle down to quietness. Oftentimes, we settle down to TV or we settle down to radio. Or even just the noise of our neighbors in the apartment next to us or the house next to us. So that when silence and darkness actually comes, we are faced to look around and wonder. Now in our reading out of Zephaniah, it starts off with saying, be silent before the Lord. And as it describes Christ coming back and the day of the Lord, it describes the Lord going through Jerusalem with a lamp. In the middle of that complete and utter darkness, the darkness that maybe you saw this past week, the Lord going through with the lamp to hit every single nook and cranny that there is. But that is what that day will be like. A day of Him searching and finding. The question is, what is He searching for? What is it that He is actually looking for? One way to look at it is if you look at the contemporary Zephaniah, that is Isaiah, and in his fifth chapter when he says, Zion shall be redeemed by justice and those who repent by righteousness. So what is it that the Lord looks for? Those that have been redeemed. Those who have come to Him. Those who have been in repentance and found that salvation in repentance. So that as the darkness that we see, it becomes a sign that we are to repent and turn to Him. As Christians, we live this out every Sunday that we come in here. Light is shined onto the very sin that we have, causing us to repent. Causing us to even find the necessity to hear the words, You are forgiven. Your sins in Christ have been forgiven. So, Isaiah also describes the Lord running to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Look and take note, searching the squares to see if he can find a man who, who does justice and seeks truth, and I may pardon him. Searching for those who seek justice and truth and finding pardon for them. That's something I can sign up for. That's something I can hear. But in Zephaniah, it says the Lord takes His lamp and He posts it and He looks into those corners of Jerusalem and what is it that He is looking for? The complacent. For those who say the Lord cannot do this and the Lord will not do that. For those who in their faith have come to the point in time where their God is nothing more than a God who does not act, a God who does not care, a God who starts the world spinning and lets His hands off, 
a God who does not seek to intervene, a God who does not seek to know you personally, but a God who doesn't care. He will not rise to do justice. He will not stand up to do forgiveness. The world oftentimes likes to think of God in this way because if certainly our God was one who just got the world spinning and left his hands off of it, then we're kind of free to do as we please, right? I mean, after all, then if our God does not seek to intervene or he does not seek to put his hands in the world, I can just be who I want to be. This is the banner of our world today, is it not? We even see this arise in our churches, in the people of God, in the new Jerusalem itself. That if our God was one who came at one time, but is kind of holding off with any interaction until later on, then it doesn't really quite matter what I do. Or it doesn't really quite matter who I am. We just become the kind that do the deathbed penance and we'll be fine. But what we find is a hollowness. In that kind of thinking, we find a God who is not actually the God that is described. We find the God that Israel was wanting. We hear of that God from those people. A God who maybe was okay with them searching after other idols, was okay with them in their own squares, not doing justice, not seeking truth. Okay with their lifestyles, okay with the way they accumulated and created their own idols and their own gods? Because what did it matter? But rather, Israel had a God, and we have a God, who seeks to know us personally, who seeks to find us, who seeks to come. And not just on that final day with that final lamp, to us in the person of Jesus, who's come to seek us out, to bring us that light early on, so that when the light on the final day does shine on us, what is it that is seen on us? What is it that can be found? A breastplate of faith and love, a helmet of hope of salvation. What is it that is shined on us and that is seen? Salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. What is it that is seen? People who are encouraging one another in that faith. Raising one another up. Not a light shining on us and seeing complacency. People who just use their baptism as an excuse to get away with what we like. A baptism used for us to ignore. But rather people who have found their salvation in that baptism, who have found salvation in their Lord, who have found a God who is not distant, but who has actually come to us, who has come to you in the person of Jesus, who has saved you, who has brought that light into your life. We asked last week how it is that we find ourselves on that final day with the Lord? How is it that we become the ones who have had their justice lived out on Good Friday instead of on that final day? And we answered it by looking at the way Paul talks about faith and hope and love as something to bring us to that day. 
both to encourage us, to remind us of what has been done, but also as things that can be shared with others. And here we think of what is spoken to us. Again, in Isaiah, the contemporary of Zephaniah, Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness. Deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. And do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, that is, the sojourner. Who, is that, who does no wrong to the fatherless and the widow, nor shed the innocent blood in this place. The rather in these gifts that have been given to us that are described by Paul in 1 Thessalonians and again are talked to us in Isaiah 55, we become ones who are doing these things with the gifts he's given. We are not complacent. We are not in the corner. We are not hiding in the darkness. But rather, we see the world as darkness and we go out into it because we have been given protection with a breastplate, with a helmet, with even the sword of the Word of God. We have no reason to cower and hide in the darkness like those who are complacent. But rather, we have been given feet that tread and are called beautiful, bearing the Word of God, making sure others receive and know this light so that when that day comes and that lamp is shined, what is found is the salvation of Christ. So far, everything I've spoken about is action and, and doing and, and getting out there and being as such. Using our salvation and seeing it as something that gets us out there. Which is very nice for us to talk about Sunday after Sunday. But first, remember how we are to greet that Lord. Remember how we are to greet that day in silence. On that quiet. On that day when the electricity goes out and there, there's not a peep. It, it seems more like something out of the, the night before Christmas. Anxiously waiting for that day. Sometimes we're a little scared of silence because it's then when our mind starts going over all of those things, right? Well, maybe that's... I don't mean to project on you. That's just the thing for me. It starts going over every single thing that you've done, every single thing that's happened. Maybe those arguments that you had. Maybe those things you should have said. And you can't stop it. It's hard to stop it, in fact. Or maybe it's in that silence where you finally start again talking to God. You realize that the, the helmet gets a little dented and the breastplate has been hit a little too hard. And you begin crying out to Him. Sometimes it can even feel like when you're doing that, that you're talking to a friend that you haven't talked to in a long time. Not really sure where to start. Scott Cairns, uh, a Northwest poet, he wrote several different uh, poems that he called his idiot psalms. And these idiot psalms are written from, from a perspective of a Christian crying out to God and not, not really knowing where to start. And in one of those uh, idiot psalms called uh, We Say, he says, Lord, we say, have mercy on us by which each, each idiot more nearly means to plead, O silent one unspeaking, save me. 
O silent one, unspeaking, save me. A great place to begin talking in that silence. A great place to begin that prayer. Because it's then we also hear in the quiet and in the silence the Lord. It's there in greeting Him, waiting for Him anxiously, that we hear the statement, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. That it's in that quiet. It's in those times with God that we hear from His Word the very salvation that we're relying on. It's in that still and it's in that quiet that we realize that we are not people cowering in the darkness, but we hear His words that pulls us out into the light, that we we repolishes this shattered armor of ours and puts it back together. That it's in the quiet of our confession, even here on Sundays, that out of that silence we begin to hear the very forgiveness of sins that we have received. Be silent before the Lord. Because with every word that He speaks, life begins. Be silent before the Lord. Because every time He opens His mouth, life happens for us. Faith grows. Love wells up. Hope is established. Be silent before the Lord. Because every time we are, we receive a gift from Him. Be silent before the Lord because as people who stand in the light and not in darkness, we can hear the way that we are to tread, the way of his word, the way of his life, the way of his salvation. Amen?